At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome. My name's Kev Eustace, and this is The Dark Paranormal. Thank you for all of the correspondence we received in the last week regarding last week's episode one of a look at the real story behind The Exorcist. I received a few emails from people who said they had to wait until daytime to listen to the rest of the episode. And for that, well, I'm not sorry because that's the entire point of the dark paranormal. With this show, as I've said many a time before, we want to take you to the darkest reaches of your mind. We want you to suspend your disbelief so that you can maybe see what it feels like to experience what the people in the stories we're going to cover felt like if they were true. Each story that we will cover in Season 2 of The Dark Paranormal have reached cultural phenomena. They've reached that point that many stories don't, where, for want of a better phrase, they've went viral. A phrase that didn't exist way back when Robbie Mannheim used a Ouija board and came off, well, let's just say, slightly worse for wear. Don't forget, if you'd like to get early access to these episodes you need to sign up to our Patreon. Not only will you get the perks being a Patreon office, but you will also help support the show and ensure it continues into Season 3 and beyond. To support the show, please go over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. But without any further ado, let's get back to conclude the story of the real exorcist. Father Hugh's face looked fraught as he approached the bed. He placed the folder he was carrying to one side and asked the Mannheims to join him at Robbie's bedside. I'm I'm going to show you something now. I've no idea what it means or what it is. It's something I've never seen before in any patient, spiritual or otherwise. He continued pulling the bedsheet down to Robbie's waist. Father Hughes untied the robe at the back of Robbie's neck 
and slowly lowered the hospital gown to just under Robbie's stomach. John and Mary Mannheim gasped. Mary buried her head into John's chest and began wailing, as there, in large red blistering welts across Robbie's stomach, were the letters L-O-U-I-S. Please come with me to my office, mumbled a bleary-eyed Father Hughes, holding a door open for the Mannheims who trudged through to the small room. Take a seat. I'll be frank. I'm at a complete loss. The manifestations of those letters, coupled with other things, it's... I asked you to perform an exorcism, interrupted Mary. Well, it's not as simple as that. There are procedures we need to follow. An exorcism is like a police officer's gun. They don't just shoot it because a member of the public says it needs to be shot. My son is laying in bed with words appearing on his body, said an emotional Mary, taking to her feet. Don't sit there spouting some procedural nonsense when something is attacking my son. John stood and tried to calm Mary. Father, what do you mean when you said, coupled with other things? asked John. Father Hughes shifted uneasily in his seat. Well, during a brief spell of lucidity, I held a conversation with Robbie. We talked about school, football. We even spoke briefly about his Aunt Harriet. I asked if he'd like to pray for her with me, and he agreed. I came in here to fetch my Bible, and as I walked back to his room, he bolted upright and stared at the Bible in my hands. A wild, dark stare. Like there was nothing behind your son's eyes. His breathing became erratic, and a strange, deep clicking noise came from within his throat. I moved the Bible around in the air to see if his eyes followed it, and they did, intently. I said, Robbie? And three voices replied, No. One from the wall behind him, one from the wall behind me, and one from the ceiling. So, I asked who I was speaking to, and he replied, I am Legion. And who is Legion? asked John, the disbelief showing on his face. It's more, what is Legion? You see, Power over demons is largely name-based. We, as the tool of God, ask the demon for its name. Gaining the demon's name is a large part of the exorcism. It allows us to have command over the demon and force it to leave. So now you have its name, force it to leave, demanded Mary. Well, Legion, began Father Hughes. That's the name given by a possessed person when there's a group of demons within the afflicted. It's a type of informative mockery, if you will. They give us a name which holds no power, but it does inform us what we're dealing with. And what's that? asked John. 
Father Hughes gave a blank stare, as if the gravitas of the situation had just dropped on him from a high height. Well, I'll confirm things with you once I've spoken with the diocese. May I speak with my husband in private, please? asked Mary. Of course, replied Father Hughes, and he stood to leave the office. I'll just fetch a coffee. Mary told John to listen to what she had to say before speaking. She implored him to take their son to St. Louis, saying she believed the words on Robbie's stomach were from Robbie himself, fighting through the oppression to say that that's where he needs to be. She fully expected, and was braced for, an argument on the matter. So she was slightly taken aback when John just nodded and agreed to the move. Robbie was asleep in the back of the car for almost the entire journey, having been heavily sedated. Not that he was missing any great conversation up front, where John and Mary blankly looked out to the empty roads and sweeping rain. Father Hughes had been very understanding, and in fact had put them in touch with a priest in the area who Father Hughes had fully debriefed on the situation. The priest in question, a Father Bowdan, was a US Army veteran, not a man easily fooled or led on flights of fancy. However, his respect for Father Hughes and the information he had provided made him keen to meet young Robbie and the Mannheims. Mary's brother Bill had set up two rooms for the Mannheims' arrival, and, after putting the sedated Robbie in bed for the evening, and getting the family up to speed on recent events, the Mannheims sat patiently for Father Bowden's arrival. An authoritative knock rapped on the door at exactly 9.30pm, as promised, and Bill answered the door. Father Bowden entered the hallway, shaking off the rain from his long black coat. The priest was the opposite of what you would imagine a priest to look like. He was built like a quarterback and looked more likely to run through a wall than to say Catholic Mass. They sat down at the kitchen table and Father Bowden was as forthright as his presence was intimidating. From what I've heard from Father Hughes, I have grave concerns about your son's safety. In fact, all of your safety. He glanced around the room, taking in the silent and intent family. You've made the right decision to come here, though. I have... Well, let's say I have less red tape to go through to clear a path for exorcism. I've already discussed this case with the Archbishop, and he has provisionally given the go-ahead. After, of course, I see the signs of possession for myself. Just to corroborate Father Hughes's version of events. Robbie's out of it at the moment, Father, said John. We had to heavily sedate him for the trip. Well, even better, replied the priest. If your son is as afflicted as you say, medicine will have no effect if the entities are truly provoked. So please, take me to Robbie's room. The Mannheims walked the priest down the hall to the lower floor bedroom where Robbie was sleeping. John 
opened the door to reveal a sedated Robbie facing away from them. His deep breathing the only sound coming from the room. Father Bowden slowly stepped over the threshold. A low, deep growl began to form with each outbreath Robbie took. The priest also heard a noise from above him. Scratch, scratch. Coming from the ceiling, the sound started above his head and moved towards the bed of Robbie. Father Bowden placed down his bag, removed his purple stole, kissed it and brought it towards Robbie, mumbling the Lord's prayer to himself as he done so. Robbie's growling became louder, but he remained in the exact same position. As the priest got around two foot from the bed, Robbie, without changing his posture, slid sharply away from the priest towards the end of the bed, as if someone had pulled the sheet he lay on away from the priest. The priest stopped, returned to his bag and produced a vial of holy water. Now speaking loudly in Latin, he began to make a flicking motion onto the bed itself. At first, the growling and scratching came to a halt. So the priest also stopped, and for a short while, everyone held their breath. And then, it happened. Robbie, still facing away from the door, sat up, at an unnatural angle. As he lay on his side, his upper half tilted 90 degrees at the hip within less than a second. The bed began to rock as if pushed by five men on each side. Robbie's growls became words, monotone sentences with a singular cadence. This then became two voices, then three, all seemingly coming from Robbie's mouth although his face was still turned away from the three observers. The priest immediately recognised that Robbie was speaking Latin in response to his earlier prayers. Father Bowden, however, was not fluent. He knew the Latin prayers and rites by heart, but this was Latin as if by a native speaker. Father Bowden slowly stepped backwards out of the room, As he pulled his foot over the threshold, Robbie just dropped back to his original position and everything became still. Father Bowden and the Mannheims stood in silence for what felt like a lifetime. I'll speak to the Archbishop this evening. Never in my life. The priest didn't finish the sentence. He didn't have to. If any final evidence were needed for exorcism, this experience had surely provided it. Father Bowden held talks with the Archbishop late into the evening. He tried as best he could to explain what they were up against with this case. As much as he didn't want to admit it, the priest fell out of his depth, and eventually he explained as much to the Archbishop. And so it was agreed that Father Bowden could have as much resource as he required. At the Archbishop's suggestion, he compiled a list of fellow priests who he wanted to assist with the rite. And so, with his team put together, it was arranged for Robbie to be moved 
to the Alexian Brothers Hospital for the rite of exorcism to be performed. Over the next three weeks, one of the longest documented spiritual battles took place, driving the people involved to severe illness, the brink of madness, a loss of faith, and almost death. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank accounts. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong-arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Stephen was a young 21-year-old seminarian, and he waited outside the cleric's office. He was unsure exactly what Father Bowden had in store for him. All he had been told is that he was needed in an observation and assistant capacity. As he sat in the chair, his mind raced with suggestions of what this task was. Stephen, please come in, smiled Father Bowden. Stephen wasn't easily intimidated, which in truth was why Father Bowden had chosen him for this specific role. But right now, he could feel the anxiety building in this small room sat three of the most respected priests in the parish. Father Bowden he knew quite well, but Father Halloran and Father Van Roo were clearly sizing Stephen up for whatever lay ahead. Father Halloran spoke first. Stephen, Father Bowden speaks very highly of you 
which in itself is something of a rarity, he said, smiling towards Father Bowden. But tell me, son, where do your beliefs lay in regards to the diabolic? Stephen wasn't prepared for such a question, not in the slightest. Um, what I mean, son, is, well, there are two camps within Catholicism. Some who view the Dark One as a metaphor, a fable, which we use to reflect man's inherent dark side. The second camp, which we are unfortunate to reside in, said the priest, motioning to his two colleagues, is the literal camp. The belief that Satan and his minions are indeed as real as this table. He knocked on the table that he was sat on. Well, said Stephen, I I do believe there is a personification of evil father. And yes, it's as real as you or I. Father Bowden smiled. I'll be blunt, Stephen. What we're asking of you may seem extreme. But... Father Bowden went on to explain about the possession of Robbie Mannheim, the powers he had exhibited, the fact they were facing an army of demonic forces within the one young boy. So your role here, Stephen, is to do exactly as we say during the ritual of exorcism. If we say hold him down, you hold him down. If we say cover his mouth, You cover his mouth. Until this is all over, you don't view this boy as anything other than the devil himself. You don't listen to him, regardless of what he says. You listen to us, and you follow our commands to the letter. Now, Stephen, if you don't wish to do this, I completely understand, and no less will be thought of you. But if you choose to help, Please be under no illusion that lives, including your own, will be at risk here, but you will be doing God's work. Stephen nodded, and after a few seconds of thought, he agreed to help. Thank you, Stephen, said Father Bowden. We start tonight. That evening, as agreed, the four clerics entered Robbie's room without so much as a glance at Robbie, focusing solely on the task at hand. Robbie began chuckling to himself and making a mock whimpering noise. Undeterred, the priests began the opening prayers of exorcism. Robbie spat at each of the clergy in turn, shouting profanities and cackling The laughter seemed to emanate from all four walls at different times. Father Bowden approached with holy water. Robbie, in an instant, jumped to his knees and lashed out. His hand shaped in a claw, missing Bowden's face by millimetres. Stephen, hold him down. Stephen looked at the other two priests for reassurance, but they had their eyes closed in prayer. Stephen! Hold him down, repeated Bowden. Stephen ran to Robbie's bed, trying to hold his arms by his side. 
Robbie whimpered sarcastically and then threw Stephen against the wall. Everyone, pin him down, shouted Bowden. All four men finally managed to subdue this young, skinny boy. Father Bowden continued with the right. Slowly, Robbie calmed, his arms grew limp, and the four men retreated to gather their breath. That's enough for today. We will carry on tomorrow morning, said Father Bowden, trying to control the situation. The next week was met with more of the same. Robbie simply laughed off their attempts, spitting relentlessly, needing to be held down on numerous occasions. And the spirits of the priests were also coming under attack. On one occasion, Father Bowden ordered for a pillow to be held over Robbie's face in order to stop the constant profanities whilst he attempted to pray. His fellow priests complied, although they knew things were taking a turn. If a priest could act in such a way, maybe the Dark One was winning. One evening, as Robbie was asleep, the priests witnessed the word HELL bubble up on Robbie's stomach. Father Halloran, in disbelief, went over for a closer inspection. A growl, followed by a claw-like swipe, hit Halloran in the face, breaking his nose and knocking him to the floor. Even for a Catholic hospital, word had soon started to spread about the chaos emanating from Robbie's room. And so, Father Bowden arranged for one more move for Robbie, this time to a Catholic retreat, away from prying eyes, but also with accommodation for all of the priests to stay so they could focus on nothing but Robbie's salvation. The first few days felt like a constant repeat of the exorcisms in the hospital, and slowly the will of the priests got to breaking point. That was until Father Bowden decided the one thing they hadn't tried was the sacrament of baptism. In its own way, baptism is a form of exorcism, Additionally, Father Bowden thought that maybe the exorcisms were having little effect as the boy is not a member of the Catholic faith. If he were able to baptise Robbie and give him the Blessed Eucharist, maybe the prayers and rites would be more effective. So, that evening, the priests had one clear goal. To baptise Robbie and administer the Holy Communion This led to the most ferocious battle the priests had faced this far. After countless hours of prayer, of physical restraint, to the point of the priests' collapse, finally Robbie took the communion wafer in his mouth. He slowly lay down in bed and began breathing normally, peacefully. The priests exchanged glances. They had won. It had nearly defeated each and every one of them, but they had finally... They looked at Robbie, whose eyes quickly darted between the four men, a smile across his face. 
Again, he made a whimpering, sarcastic, childish sound. The bed started rocking back and forth. Chairs in the room slammed against the wall and then started moving slowly up the wall, and the walls themselves started growling and scratching. Robbie jumped to his knees on the bed, eyes wide, and began screaming profanities, cackling in between each. Father Bowden's legs gave way. He pushed himself up against the wall. He had nothing left. Evil had won. Suddenly, Robbie looked straight ahead, mouth open. A look of fear stamped on his drawn face. And in a clear, commanding voice, the following words left Robbie's mouth. Satan, Satan, I am Saint Michael, and I command you, Satan, and all your evil spirits to leave this child's body now. Robbie collapsed on the bed. The room had a soft scent of flowers. The four men looked at each other in disbelief and gathered near Robbie's bed. Robbie opened his eyes and Father Bowden could see the little boy in the eyes of Robbie once more. What is your name? asked Father Bowden. My name is Robbie Mannheim, Father. And I'd like to go home now. As explained at the start of season two of The Dark Paranormal, the intention was to have one episode which told the story of the very famous paranormal event, and for the following episode to look at the facts around that case and see how they stood up to scrutiny. With this particular case, Roland Doe, or Robbie Mannheim, the real exorcist story, I decided to treat it a little bit differently for two reasons. Number one, one 30-minute episode doesn't really do justice to the story that you've just heard over two episodes. And number two, I don't really want to even attempt to look at debunking this story. And let me explain why. In most of the stories that we're going to look at in season two, you could very, very easily argue that there's an ulterior motive behind the stories. And usually that's financial. As we touched on in episode two, when we looked at the Amityville story, there were many court cases, fights over money, families falling apart over money made from the story itself. And we will see that in future episodes too. Newspapers being involved film deals being struck, etc. I know that you may be thinking, well, we're covering this story because of one of the most successful films of all time, in The Exorcist. And yes, we are. But, William Peter Blatty wrote The Exorcist film after reading about this exorcism in the local newspaper. So The Exorcist film was more inspired by the story of Robbie Mannheim. Additionally, there's a reason why we only know this poor, possessed child as Robbie Mannheim or Roland Doe. And that's because nobody knows his identity. For me, and I'm sure you can agree, 
It adds an air of credence to the entire story. Imagine the money that this poor boy could have made in the years since his exorcism. We're talking Oprah-level interview if this guy just came out and said, it's me, I'm the guy the Exorcist film was based on. He'd be a multimillionaire overnight. But he hasn't. He's chose not to. We don't know anything about him. There's a rumour from people who live in the area where Robbie's from that he went on to have a successful career with NASA. By now, he'll be retired. He could even have passed over. We don't know. And that's the key thing. We live in a culture now where everybody has seen a YouTube video of a haunted house or of a Ouija board gone wrong or of a possessed person being exercised. There are people who literally make a living now filming the activity going on in their house. I'm not saying what's going on there isn't real, but what I will say is what seems more convincing. Think about it. If you have a battle with the devil or a demon and it's real and it impacts your life and it shatters everything you've ever held true up to that point, do you reach for your mobile phone to film it for YouTube? Or do you try to get rid of it and move on with your life? Personally, I'd say a victim's response says a lot about the validity of the claim. And in the case of Robbie Mannheim, I find myself 100% in the belief camp that this poor young boy was a victim of possession. I hope these two episodes on Robbie Mannheim do make you want to go and seek out more information on the case. It's not just Robbie's reaction or actions after the exorcism which give it validity. The actions were also seen by over 40 priests at separate times throughout the exorcism itself. And there are full documented diaries on the exorcisms written by some of the priests involved. I'll end this episode by reiterating that for me, this story is a genuine case of possession. The individual involved could literally become a millionaire overnight by just revealing their identity. And they've never chose to do so. Maybe they're just happy that that chapter of their life is now over. Or maybe, as with other famous cases of possession, there's a reticence to even discuss the topic on the off chance bringing up past events. Bring it back. If you enjoy the dark paranormal and would like to see it continue for further seasons, you can support us via Patreon. Please go to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. There you will find early access to episodes, scripts and other writings. Please join us next week when we will take a look at arguably the most famous haunting in British history, the Enfield Poltergeist. Until then, thank you for listening to The Dark Paranormal.
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.